Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Was the UN General Assembly recently briefed on alien contact? And then we kick off Request Week with something from the Conspiracy Iceberg. And personally, one of my favorite conspiracies on there. Medieval found footage, today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode, and not just any episode, the premiere of Season 4 episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day, too. Now, I think I actually, while cooking dinner, disproved evolution. How long have humans been cooking food? 100,000 years? Probably. 50,000 years? Most likely. Yet I still need a potholder to pick up a hot bowl. If evolution was true, my hands should be able to withstand the hottest food possible. Now, obviously, there's a limit. If the food is too hot, like the hot as the sun or hot as hot lava, I couldn't eat it. But there is a ceiling of how hot food can get while still remaining edible. And yet, I had to spend 10 minutes looking for the single potholder that I own so I could take a bowl out of the microwave. Your move, Charles Darwin. Now, you could easily say, Jason, why are you, (laughs) one, why do you only own one oven mitt when you have two hands? And two, how do you lose a thing that's bigger than a human hand? And my response to that is, your move, Charles Darwin. You can't, you can't judge me for my potholder losingness or the fact, well, here's, that should explain why I only have one potholder, because I lost the other one. Your move, Charles Darwin. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the first story here. And actually, before I do that, my friend Mitchum sent me a trailer for a movie. The title sounds completely ridiculous. But the movie looks incredibly good. I've seen movies like Helen Keller vs. the Night Wolves, which was, I couldn't finish it, it was so bad. And I saw FDR American Badass, which was actually pretty good. So when Mitchum sent me a trailer for a movie called The Man Who Killed Hitler, and then The Bigfoot, I had really low expectations. But the movie stars Sam Elliott, the trailer looks great, it looks like they took a ridiculous plot, and are playing it as seriously as possible. It looks beautiful as well. This man, you go back in time, not not literally, but you see him kill Hitler, and then the government enlists him to kill Bigfoot, who is spreading some sort of deadly pathogen across the wilderness. Looks really good, actually, so I'll put the trailer in the show notes, check it out. Now, our first story, we had a couple big stories pop up while I was taking my vacation. And this was one of the ones that popped up, and at first I was, you. a lot of people are going to go, oh, I already know how this story ends, because you know, you're following it on 4chan, but give me a second, because I found a new piece of evidence. But for those who don't know anything about the story, what happened was on January 29th, the video was uploaded, January 29th, 2019, I should say, in case you're listening to this episode 10 years in the future. This video was uploaded on January 29th, 2019, and it is a video of the United Nations General Assembly. And it starts off saying, there's no videotaping allowed. This video, this message cannot be 
reproduced anywhere, it's like a crime. You see a young woman walk up to the podium and get stuff ready. You see an older gentleman off to the left standing there, and as he moves backwards, his hands kind of sway side to side. And you see a very attractive woman sitting in a chair waiting for her turn to speak. Now, that woman's name is Aaliyah Prokofieva. I bet you missed those mispronunciations for a week. Anyways, she describes herself that she is ahead of something called Galactica. I went to her LinkedIn profile. She is trying to set up the first city in space. So she's kind of like this expert, self-proclaimed expert. I'm not for sure. So you do have experts go to the UN from time to time. Not everyone who speaks here is a world leader. She goes up to the podium and she says, she reveals this message. And the the video quality is really bad because it was supposedly recorded on a cell phone. Every so often you see a black image move in front of it, and the idea is is that the person who's recording it is trying to shield the cell phone camera from view, and the audio quality is bad as well, because it's not an official video. So you're basically just getting the audio from the phone. She goes up to the podium and says, Back in December, a pyramid-shaped UFO was sighted over the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and we don't know what it was. It's possibly extraterrestrial. What makes this visitation curious is that the pyramid began broadcasting a pattern that matches a pattern from a nearby star system now we do have things called pulsars we don't have them nature has them the universe owns them but they're stars that rotate and they can let off these radio bursts we pick up when we first discovered them we thought it was alien life because of the pattern but it turns out it's just a pulsar spinning in space But she says this pyramid-shaped UFO matches that frequency. Now, there were videos that came out in December of a pyramid-shaped UFO hovering over Washington, D.C. Those videos themselves are interesting because, one, they look real-ish. Nowadays, anything can easily be faked, especially because you're running on a cell phone camera. Any special effects you put in there, any irregularities in in the special effects, a believer will just chalk it up to the bad quality of the video. When I saw the UFO over Washington, D.C., I didn't personally see it, but when I saw the video, my first thing was, you know, Washington, D.C. is heavily populated, so why am I only seeing a couple angles of this thing? There should be thousands of videos, even if the mainstream media didn't cover it. The thing was huge. So she says that this is what happened. Now, the video got uploaded to YouTube, on January 29th, and it set the UFO community abuzz. They're like, oh my god, look at this leaked footage that came out of the UN. Now, when I'm watching it, I'm thinking, if this video footage is real, YouTube would take it down. The governments of the world would immediately go, whoa, 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 that video is not supposed to be up. Wasn't even supposed to be videotaped. Can you please shut down this, uh, take this channel offline? And it's still there. It only has 60,000 views, so it's not a ton of views, but it's there. It was on 4chan. 4chan's generally known to be monitored by at least the U.S. government. So the fact that it's still up kind of takes away its credibility. If you go to that video, and all the links are going to be in the show notes, of course, but if you go to that video, it links to an original video. That channel is taken down, but that could be part of the LARP. I could easily set up a channel, delete it, and then link a video to it and be like, oh, the original channel was deleted, but this is the video, you know, so that's easy to fake too. But UFO people, especially on 4chan, were like, oh my god, Like, what do we do with this? Here's this woman talking about this thing. Now, the debunking to it, and this is where people are like, yeah, yeah, I know this part, but I have to go over this, and don't just skip ahead, because there's something, there's another additional detail to this. The debunking to it is, earlier in the year, I believe, it might have been the previous year, 
Erdogan, Erdogan, I believe, is the president of Turkey, if I'm pronouncing his name right, which I most likely am not. He gives a presentation to the UN. And when he is talking to the United Nations, you see a young woman walk up to the podium, get everything ready. You see a man, an older gentleman, kind of standing to the side, and he steps back, and his hands are kind of moving. It's the exact same video, except for a few key details. One, the young woman, uh, Aaliyah, is not giving the speech. She's nowhere present in the video. Instead, it's Erdogan. The film quality is much better. It's digital video. It's basically high-end digital video because it is the United Nations. It's not like they have money problems. The sound quality is much, much better. The cell phone video is really tinny because it's supposedly on a cell phone. And there's no hand ever kind of blocking the view. And so the debunkers go, look it, this is the video that they took the President Erdogan out of, put Aaliyah in as a deep fake. They digitally removed one person and put another person in, dropped the video quality, dropped the sound quality, and presented this as proof. You guys are idiots. You guys should have never believed this. So when I was looking at, I saw the original video, I was like, it shouldn't be online if it's real. I think it's kind of suspicious that there's the black hand keeps moving in front of the camera. And I'm thinking that could be to clear up, like to kind of block any irregularities in the video that they're trying to put out is real. So we talked about deep fakes before. Now, it's funny because the first time I came across deep fakes, I was seeing pornographic images of Gal Gadot's face on a porn star's body, Natalie Portman's face on a porn star's body, Daisy Ridley's face on a porn star's body, and they were taking these huge celebrities and basically turning them into porn stars. And very, very convincing. Very, very convincing technology. I had never seen a full-body deepfake before, but it's the same idea. You take thousands of images, you have a source image, and then you have the image you want to insert. You remove one image in the porn videos it would just be the original actress's face put the new face on top of it you could do the same thing here the Aaliyah speaker she has a shadow she looks it looks convincing again if she was went up and talked about wheat products or the production of corn in Germany I would have had no reason to disbelieve it if the video hadn't started off saying please don't record I would have had less reason to doubt it but the fact that they're like we're going to prosecute anyone who puts this out I was like okay they're kind of hyping it up a bit But here's the interesting thing. So that's the story with that. And when I first saw the videos, I was like, oh, I'll cover that when the break's over. It's pretty cut and dry. You have a, what looks like a fraud when you look at all the evidence. You have a video that seems suspicious. And then you find the exact same video at higher quality of a different person giving a boring speech. Totally different speech. So I go, well, that's pretty cut and dry. But what happened next is what makes me suspicious about everything. January 29th is the UN video uploaded to YouTube. At least the one we can see. I don't know about the one that supposedly got the account terminated. But on January 29th is the video you can watch. Video I have a link to. January 29th was the same time they're like, nope, this is fake. Here's the Erdogan video. That whole story kind of happened relatively quickly. But also what makes me suspicious about the story is on January 30th, a viral news story goes out. Look at these wacky deep fakes. Look at Steve Buscemi's face on Jennifer Lawrence's body. What? This is crazy. Look at this wacky technology. And it's weird because 
They could have had that same story. If you wanted to cover deep fakes that day, if you wanted to make that a viral story, the UFO video is a more convincing deep fake. Because when you see the Steve Buscemi, Jennifer Lawrence thing, it looks grotesque. It looks really, really weird. It's not convincing in any way, shape, or form. And I thought, why a day after the UN video comes out, which is most likely a fake, are they now pushing the story of deep fakes back into the media? And showing us a ridiculous example. And they did the same thing over the summer. Over the summer is when the trend began of the famous actresses being put on porn stars' bodies. But when the media covered it, when they showed examples of it, they'd say, Look at Nicolas Cage's face on all of these movie stars? What? And I'm thinking, why don't... I'm not asking them to show porn on CNN, but why don't they show at least still clips? And they could be like, this is this actress's face. This is Gal Gadot's face on Biloxi Blue's body or something. That's convincing. The skin tone's the same. You can't tell the difference. The only reason you know it's fake is because Gal Gadot's never done porn. That's the reason you know you factually know that video is not real. So why, if they have that, did they push the Nicolas Cage face on in the middle of Game of Thrones or whatever it was? Why, when they have a semi-convincing deep fake of someone giving a speech to the United Nations General Assembly about UFOs, do you show how wacky deepfakes are because you have Jennifer Lawrence with this grotesque, sorry, Steve Buscemi, but like this weird-looking face? I think because ultimately deepfake technology, they warn us about it. I think their concern is rogue actors using deepfake technology. I think the government, I think certain powerful people want to use it for their benefit, so they don't want to really show us how convincing it can actually be because this UN video like I said if she went up and talked about trade tariffs and someone showed me that video I'd be like why are you showing me this this is super boring and then they go that never happened that's fake I'd have been like what it's it's very convincing I think deep fake technology is being planned to be you and people go oh it's going to be used for Pizzagate if Hillary Clinton ever gets videotaped eating a baby I don't think it's ever going to be anything like that I think when deepfake technology actually is used, it's going to be something super mundane that no one will really question it. When you talk about UFOs and satanic worship and all sorts of this crazy stuff, it's easy for a skeptic to go, well, that's obviously not true. But if they want to have a video of the president talking about a new trade plan with Italy where we're going to basically give them all of our money, or that's kind of ridiculous too, but you know what I mean? Like something relatively boring, people won't question that. And I think there's an actual effort to warn people about deep fakes, but not warn them at how realistic they can be. Very odd timing. The Steve Buscemi video was uploaded the same day as the UN video. The story got reported the next morning. So while all the UFOologists were still debating over the authenticity of this UN General Assembly video, all of these news websites were like, look at this technology. Can you believe it? It's 2019. Weird. Very, very convenient timing. Very convenient timing. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, our next story was actually a request from Joshua from YouTube. And it is one of the ones that I have found the most intriguing on the Conspiracy Theory Iceberg. Just the idea I've always found interesting. Medieval found footage. The phrase itself is very evocative because it makes you think of one of two things. Well, three. One, it's fake. It's totally made up. Just, it's just three words strung together. But that's boring. 
People always go, what? That's just fake. And I'm like, yeah, probably. But that's not a fun podcast. To just be like, ah, it's fake. Like, either it's fake for a reason, or you go, it's fake, but let's pretend it's not for a second. So, it is possibly just three words strung together. However, this one has a bit of meat to it. So, it's one of three things. It's either fake, it involves time travel, which is a nice theory, which is nice, it's evocative. And then there's one that I think is more accurate, and, and, it's pretty, pretty cool. So... We've already addressed, maybe it's fake, maybe it's something people put together, whatever. I don't like, you know, maybe, but that's boring. Time travel. The idea of time travel, I think, kind of touches people on a personal level because it, it addresses two things. It addresses changing the past because everyone has regrets. Time travel touches on the idea that we can change our past. And two, I think a lot of people don't necessarily wish they could live forever. But for me, I want to see what comes next. I personally think it would be more fascinating to travel into the future. To see what happens next. And time travel plays on both of those. Like, I could fall asleep and wake up a thousand years from now and be like, oh my god, this is awesome, there's like robots, or apocalyptic wasteland, everyone's dead, and I'm just kind of stumbling around until I fall and my glasses break. And I go, all the books in the world... That's the interesting thing about time travel. It, it kind of plays on both of those things. So let's address the time travel theory first. And that would be that some archaeologists go are like digging around in England. They like got their shovels and the cops are like, oi, 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 you don't have a permit. And they're like, ah, whatever, we're archaeologists throwing dirt in the cop's face. They keep digging. The cops are trying to arrest them. Ha- the, not the hammer. The shovel goes, tink, tink, hits something. And the cops are like, what's that? Archaeologist goes, Looks like some sort of film case. Dust it off. You pull it out, and it's a reel of film. And they're like, hmm, do you have a projector? And the cops are like, no, we're cops. Like, we don't even have guns over here. Why would you think we'd have a projector? Eventually, though, the archaeologists pay their bail. They go to a local cinema, put the film on the projector, and what they see is literal found footage. They see film of these arch- of these medieval people kind of dancing around, doing their stuff, making clay pots, looking miserable all the time. Knights are beating them up. They're all dying. Every every movie ends with them dying of the bubonic plague. The end. And the archaeologists are like, this is impossible. Like, it's encased in this metal tin. It's shot on this camera that we are actually able to string up to a projector. Maybe it's on, like, Super IMAX film. Maybe it's digital film from the future. But it's found footage. And... The idea is, would be that at some point, somebody traveled back in time to the medieval period, filmed them doing their things. Maybe they're hamming it up for the camera. Maybe it's a little Punch and Judy show. Maybe, maybe they were videotaping something and the time travelers dressed up as medieval people walking around with their hidden camera. They're seeing this young boy writing, writing stuff. And they're like, hey, what are you writing? He's like, I'm a writing stuff and they're like well that's obvious that you're writing stuff what are you writing he's like oh nothing i just have stories in my head sometime i call this one romeo and juliet and they're like oh your name doesn't happen to be william shakespeare he's like they call me billy that's in the found footage and obviously apparently it has audio as well but anyway so they find this footage and for whatever reason they leave it behind 
for us to find. Because if it was just time travelers going back in time filming a bunch of dudes dancing around, and then and Billy Shakespeare, and then went to the future, we wouldn't know it was there. So that theory is completely ridiculous, obviously. And not because I don't believe in time travel, because I do, to a sense. But this would require... One, time travelers to travel back to medieval times. Two, to time travel back to medieval times and use technology that we would be able to view. We can't even view right... If someone gave me a laser disc right now, I'd be SOL. Like, I'd be like, hey, thanks. (laughs) What am I going to do with this? It's a giant coaster. I can't even view laser disc technology. By the time we have time machines going back and forth in time, they're not going to be using SD cards. They're not even going to be using film. What would they use? It would be the same thing. Yeah, actually, if I had a cell phone, if I went back in time and I left my cell phone in the 1980s and I pulled out my SD card, they'd be like, well, okay, your fingernail fell off, robot man. Like, they'd have no way of even knowing what was on it. So that theory, while it is interesting because it's sci-fi-ish, it's not very likely at all. And I don't think that's what medieval found footage refers to. I've seen that theory bandied around a couple times. They're like, oh, it's about time travelers going back in time. I don't really think that it is what it refers to. But I do think the theory has some meat. And I think this version is more interesting because it's quite possibly true. Let's say the year is 1568. A couple peasants running around in the field. I Apparently in my version of medieval times, they just dance and run and don't do any work. It was actually quite grueling. They worked from sundown to sunup or the other way around. That would They would be working in the night. They worked from sunup to sundown. And then they sit at home in front of the fireplace and trying to forget their miserable existence. So, but anyways, in my version, they're just running around through the fields. They're like, Gerald, Gerald, get back to your chores. And he's like, no way, I'm out of here. It's 15, whatever year I said before, I don't even remember at this point. And these peasants were playing in the woods and this knight, I don't know what that sound effect was. This knight rides up to the peasants and is like, the king requires your service, peasants. And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever you say, knight. What are we supposed to do? And the knight's like, the king is making a movie. The peasants be like, what? <laughs> What's a movie? And the knight's like, I don't know. You know how hard it is to shrug in armor, but I'm going to do it anyways. I don't know. The horse is like, I don't know. They all go back to the castle. Now, we know the history of film. It's very, very well documented, partially because film is a document in and of itself. It's a chemical process, and I'm not going to bore you with the details of it because it's easily you can find it on Wikipedia. Again, all the links are below, but we can trace it back quite a while. And before we were capturing, because really, I say I'm not going to bore you with the process, but all film is is a series of pictures. And there's it's weird. On film, I don't know if it's the same with digital, but on film there's a black bar between each frame but our brain doesn't pick up the black bar because we have this thing called like continuity of image and it's weird now because think about it when you sit down and you watch a film you're actually seeing a black image oh what is it 32 frames per second so you're seeing a black image 32 times every second and your brain just doesn't process it and what's weird is i'm sure some people's brains do i'm sure there are some people whose brains don't work right and it must be maddening to have to watch a movie because they'd be like, oh my God, people like this? Like, I'm just seeing a bunch of black every once in a while. Normal people don't see it. But anyway, so all it is is a series of photographs played very, very rapidly. Same thing with like, uh, you guys know what film is. So between film 
we can go all the way back thousands, probably about a thousand years, if not farther, to something called the Camera Obscura. And that was film without film. It was only what was going on outside. That was basically a black room with a peephole, not like a pervert's peephole, but a peephole that allowed sunlight to come in and the image was like reversed on the wall. It got got real complicated for me to follow on this stuff, but that allowed you that if you sat in this dark room through this, looking against the wall, you could see what was going on outside. Now, obviously, you could just (laughs) leave the dark room and see what was going on outside. But it was an early form of a projected image. People say that cave paintings on walls could have been brought from some sort of camera obscura. That religious practices could have involved the camera obscura thousands of years ago. Could have been the way to tell stories of myths and legends by basically creating this type of room and having people acting it out and then it's like appears on the wall. So the camera obscura, Leonardo da Vinci used one. A bunch of other old people used one. I think Leonardo da Vinci was the one who actually like made it popular. He he made it fetch. Like he he created the mainstream version of it. And then in 1827, that's when some guy says, you know what, I'm gonna use that same process. But I'm gonna take a piece of polished pewter plate with Peter Peckle. It's gonna help him with this. A polished pewter plate, and he covered it with something called Bitman of Judea. The sunlight hits the plate using the same thing as the camera obscura. And after eight hours, he's able to wipe off everything that the sun didn't burn in. This is a weird process. And then he has an image on a plate of what was outside. That is the first, like, here is a here's an image. You didn't have to be here to see this. Here is this image. Now, the limitation, obviously, was that it took eight hours. So they didn't have any pictures of people back then. So you go, Jason. You said, you know, camera obscuras existed for a long time, and then in 1827 is the first time we have a photograph, and a photograph is a stepping stone to a film. So how do you equate that with the medieval times? Well, to do that, I'm actually going to talk about another recommendation I got. A while back, I got an email from a gentleman named Gary, and we were talking about Terrer, the guy who could eat anything, which I love that episode. He ate a gold fork, and the gold fork never came out. And so the idea is is that he dissolved it. And Gary emailed me, and he sent me a link to something called Aqua Regia. Now, Aqua Regia was a chemical. It was a chemical combination that could be used to dissolve gold and platinum. And completely dissolve it. So Aqua Regia was this chemical that was made. And you're like, okay, that's a cute story, but what does that have to do with anything you're talking about? It was first mentioned in 1300 AD. And then in 1600 AD, the next time we see a reference to this, it was written out not as a chemical composition or how the chemicals work together. It was instead a riddle. It was a drawing that explained this advanced chemical process as, a, as an image. And the process said, the process showed a dragon and then a fox eating a rooster, and the rooster eating the fox. And then this is how they deciphered this. It said, the rooster symbolizes gold, and the fox represents aqua regia. Obviously, there was some sort of key code. Some guy just wasn't looking at it and going, oh, yeah, that's what that means. But the repetitive dissolving, heating, and redissolving, the rooster eating the fox, eating the rooster, leads to the buildup of chlorine gas in the flask. The gold then crystallizes in the form of gold chloride, 
whose red crystals were known as dragon's blood. So you had the initial recipe of what it does in 1300 AD. You then have this coded drawing in 1600 AD. The reaction was not listed in chemical literature at all until 1890. So in that time period, people had invented the process or discovered the process in 1300. It was referenced again 300 years later. And then it took another two, what is it? Yeah, it took almost another 300 years before anyone ever wrote it down again. But it was still being practiced. And in that time period, if those original documents were destroyed for whatever reason, it would have been lost until it was quote-unquote discovered in 1890. So who's not to say that the film... All film is is a chemical process involving light and material and a chemical. Dark rooms and stuff like that. You're mixing these chemicals together. You take an image onto a piece of material. There's not magic. Now, I get it, the magic of the cinema and all that stuff. It's great. It's silver screen, all that nonsense. But it's not actual magic. It is a chemical process. Who's not to say that the chemical process wasn't discovered in 1827, but it was discovered before then, The proof we have that it was discovered is gone. Is that a supposition? Absolutely. Do I have any proof of that? No. I can look at these other things that were lost and then rediscovered. I can say, well, this stuff happened. The biggest obstacle to the idea of medieval found footage is this. That it took eight hours to produce an image back then. I don't want to say, well, maybe they found a quicker way to do it because that's taking it more into the fantastical. I want to stick with the technology we know they had. They had a magic lantern. <laughs> no, no, not the literal. They had a thing called a magic lantern that you'd have a little image. It's basically a side projector back then. The magic lantern was like in the 1500s. It was in the medieval times. In the medieval times, they had this thing called a magic lantern. It was a projector. It was the evolution of the camera obscura. But instead of seeing what was outside, you could have a little piece of glass that was hand-painted And you'd put it in, and you'd put a candle in it, or sunlight, or whatever, and it would project the image on the wall, just like a slide projector. And then people said, you know what? Let's put two slides in it, and you could show like a little cartoon guy juggling. So the basics of the technology were there. Projection, glass slides, animation, to a degree. You would definitely see the black switch there as the machine slowly clicked over. But this technology was in wide use. So the only thing we have to add to have medieval found footage is the real people. They have the slides of the two people juggling or whatever they want to do, the two little cartoon people dancing. But for found footage, I want footage of people. Is it possible that there was film footage of people in the medieval times? Again, the biggest obstacle to it is people having to stand still for eight hours, but... That's why I use the king example, because you're a peasant. You're, you're going to get your head chopped off if you don't stand in the same spot for eight hours. And then you just move slightly for the next one, and move slightly for the next one, and move slightly for the next one. It would take, you know, a month to have a good five minutes of footage. And, you know, you figure maybe they're sitting down in chairs. But it's not an insurmountable hurdle to have someone sit in a chair for eight hours and then after that move their arms slightly and and it would be a great it would imagine going to a king's house and he's like you know you ever heard of a witch 
And his guests are like, well, of course, witches are real. They, they, we had to, like, kill 12 of them getting here. And King goes, have you ever heard of the Blair Witch? And then he has this found footage movie. Well, it's not found to him. He owns it. He made it. But imagine going to a royal court and people being like, oh, look at my magic lantern. It's two images of this cartoon guy juggling. And the king's like, that sucks. Here's Transformers 4. It took me eight years to film, but I did it. It is possible. Even using the technology, the only thing that's not possible is you have to go along with me on the journey that the technology got a little more advanced between 1500 and 1827 regarding that chemical process. And the fact that we, I can say, here's another chemical process that was not mentioned for 200 years. People were doing it in that time period, but it wasn't mentioned for 200 years. I think there is medieval found footage. I think that it is very likely that some archaeologists found this stuff. Why it wasn't released, I don't know. Now, I want to put money, I think it's likely, but I want to put money on it. But it may be out there. There may be footage of the real Blair Witch. There, it is a documentary. It was an actual witch they were chasing around. King standing in the corner of the castle at the end. Camera falls, breaks, it's over. I think the idea of medieval found footage is very intriguing. And I, it's one of those conspiracy theories that I actually really like. Because it's a good one. It's a happy conspiracy theory. It's we are more advanced than we think we are. We're more clever as a species than we think we are. That 300, 400 years before the official invention of something, someone came up with it, used it for entertainment, for documentation, whatever. There's not a lot of positive conspiracy theories out there. But one of them that we're actually smarter than we give ourselves credit for, that's a good conspiracy theory. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great day, guys. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.